I'm Lindsay Maloney, and this is the Book Your Dream Clients podcast. I built a six-figure coaching business while raising my three babies and working a nine-to-five, and I'm here to help you break free from the hustle mentality that's been holding you back from reaching your full potential so you can know your worth, step into your own power, and of course, book your dream clients. Welcome back to another episode of the Book Your Dream Clients podcast. I'm so excited about today's episode with Tracy O'Malley, the expert Enneagram coach. Tracy shares her story on how she came into using the Enneagram and how it has changed her life and how it has helped her create a multi-million dollar business. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Tracy, thank you so much for being on the Book Your Dream Clients podcast. I'm so excited you're with us today. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to dig into so many things with you. It's like I I don't even know where to start, but I suppose we'll just go with why don't you introduce yourself and let us all know about what you do and who you serve. Oh, thank you. Um, My name is Tracy O'Malley. I grew up in the Midwest of Chicago, Illinois. I am a mom to millennials. My kids are in their 20s now, which makes me pushing 50, which is crazy to even say. (laughs) Like, that is amazing. I can't even, like, 50 used to be old to me, and now I'm like, no way. (laughs) No, not at all. Not even close. And I was the typical um, perfectionist kid. Um, You know, I grew up in an alcoholic home, so I learned how to be safe by being perfect and fly under the radar. Um, at least that's what coping mechanism mm-hmm. I developed early on. And like, nobody would ever see me crack. Like you would never crack me, break me. Um, I could be the chameleon of any situation. I could read situations and know exactly what I needed to be in order to be accepted, successful, um, safe, you know, whatever the, the situation called for, I could do, um, you know, growing up that way, you don't trust many people. Like if you, if you can't mm-hmm. be safe and, and feel that in your own home, you kind of build walls around you. And that's kind of what I did most of my, my life. Um, you know, and I thought at an early age that when I met the guy that I thought I should marry, I was 21 and he wasn't from Chicago. We met in Chicago, but he was from Arizona and he hated the weather. And I was like, you know what, this will be a great way to just wipe my slate clean and pretend like I didn't grow up this way and go Mm -hmm. start fresh. And so we got married, moved to Arizona at the age of 21. And like a good Irish girl does, I had back-to-back Irish twins, which (laughs) explains why my kids are so close in age. And by the age of 24, I was looking into the eyes of two beautiful, amazing kids and a husband and kind of just faking my way through it. I was doing, you know, what I thought I should do. You know, Um, I had an amazing mother-in-law that really showed me what mothering looked like because my mom was just emotionally checked out my entire childhood. She was a good human being, but just Mm -hmm. could not emotionally handle it. So I didn't have a mom that would show me the way to be a woman. And she also taught me what I could expect from women. And as far as my dad goes, I mean, I just knew I needed to be whatever he needed me to be, to be loved. And so that would play out obviously in my relationships moving forward. 
But I remember when my daughter turned four, so I was 28 at the time, and I remember looking at her and all of a sudden, all these memories started coming back to me of you know myself at four years old and what I was dealing with at four. And I was looking at the eyes of this beautiful, innocent child of mine, and I was filled with so much rage. Like, how the hell did I get put in a situation like that? And, you know, it, it was very apparent to me that I was never a kid. I never mm-hmm. allowed myself to have fun. I was bracing for impact pretty much from as early as I can remember. And so that was my first journey. I knew I needed to get help because I was filled with so much rage. And I obviously didn't want to repeat that in my own home. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we're bubbling up with it, and it has nowhere to go, it's going to just land on whoever's closest, right? And so I was the age of 28 years old when I walked into a room of Al-Anon to at least see what this was about. And I remember hearing people and curling up in the fetal position because I was like, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one that grew up like this. I went to work to protect this layer around me and um, still was really, really scary. It's also when I read my first personal development book. Um, but I wasn't like, even though I could recognize that I needed this, um, it was way too vulnerable for me and I would be found out. And so for the next 12 years, I would dabble in growing. And then the minute it got too scary or too vulnerable, not only did the walls go up, but the moat around it would fill. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had that extra layer. Um, and so it was seven and a half years ago when the jig was up and I couldn't do that anymore. I was now divorced, obviously, you know, you keep doing that kind of stuff. It's just Mm -hmm. not going to end well. So I've been divorced now for gosh, 13 years. I was in a career that I hated. I was in the car industry and I was really, really, really freaking good at it, but I hated every second, but it was a great environment because I could be hard-assed and stoic and, and it worked in that environment, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the ratio was like a thousand to one women to men or men to women. Um, you know, and then seven and a half years ago, I got a call that changed everything. And it was from my dad telling me that he had just been diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, my dad was a straight shooter for you over 40 crowd. Archie Bunker is pretty much who my dad was. So Mm -hmm. if you know who that is, there's like zero filter, like a zero filter. And he said they, um, gave him three weeks to three months to live. And 12 days later, my dad passed away. And I had just turned 40 and it kind of just puts things in perspective that life is too short cliche Mm -hmm. kind of came up and whacked me upside the, the head. And that's where everything kind of takes a turn. I, I knew that I wanted to change my life. I knew I was looking at my teenagers now at the time, knowing that if I don't repair this brokenness about me, I'm just going to repeat that. And that is not the legacy I want to pass on. You know, I, I had just buried my legacy, you know, my dad and, mm-hmm. and I know that he had regrets and things that he didn't want and, and apologies that we had had a few conversations before in those 12 days. And I knew I didn't want to go out that way. And I didn't want to leave my kids with that same kind of feeling. And so at the age of 40, as a single mom, um, I walked away from my career. I took my income down to zero. I wiped out my entire social network other than my kids and pretty much one friend locally. Um, And I checked myself into rehab because I had some coping mechanisms that weren't so great either and Mm -hmm. decided, you know, let's start from ground zero 
because then there's only way way to go but and that's up so that's where this whole thing takes a turn seven and a half years ago that's an amazing story and thank you for sharing it with us um i think it, it kind of puts everybody into you know we see the highlights of everybody's businesses and we don't know the how Tracy got where she is. We can mm -hmm. see your website and your Instagram and we're like, Oh, she's, she's so lucky. She has an amazing business and an amazing life, but you've gone through so much just to get where you are. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so you, you completely changed your life seven and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the past seven and a half years. Mm, you know, I'm so glad that you said what you said about like, we see things and we build a story about what we believe about those people. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, you see the story, but you don't always know the story. And I was speaking vulnerably kind of before it was cool on um, social media. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when I took my income down to zero and quit my career, which I had done for 15 years, you know, and I wasn't receiving child support at the time. So it was really, really scary. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I knew that I could do it. I, whatever that it was, you know, I'd given myself about six months to really figure out what I needed to do. Because if I went back to the industry that I came from, it would just be a matter of time before I'd go back into old patterns. I was very, mm -hmm. very aware that environment is so much stronger than willpower. And I'm pretty much the strongest willed person I know. And if I could not outwill it, I know that most people couldn't. And so that was the extreme, like, you know, wiping out all the friendships and changing the playgrounds that I played on. And in those six months, I really um, was relentless about radical honesty and radical responsibility with myself. I obviously um, maintained um, a strong recovery program and still sober to this day, seven and a half years later from not just alcohol, but um, a tag teaming eating disorder that really was having its way with me. And, you know, what I found is the more, you know, we're as sick as our secrets first and foremost. And so those things that I worked for decades to bury, I started to bring to the surface and not publicly at first, but like within my own home. And I realized like how much this build credibility and trust with my teenagers. Um, I saw how just being super transparent with them changed everything. But while I was in recovery and rehab, my therapist made me take this test. And I really was not excited about it. Um, you know, I was pretty much at the lows of lows. I'm like, great, I'm going to fail another test. I had no idea what it was at the time. Mm -hmm. But then she was telling me about it. And I was a little resistant, obviously. Um, because I was vulnerable and not feeling great about myself. And, um, but with the way that she explained it, it's like, listen, this is not like to put you in a box. This is to help you get out of the box you and the world have put yourself in. And so I was like, okay, so I take the test. She explains it, that it's the Enneagram. And I, I realize I, I look at what I am typed as, and she confirmed that it was that, which she pretty much suspected I was eight, which is the challenger. And just like human nature, I mean, it's, this is why I'm so passionate about the Enneagram today. And it's like anything, you know, we're humans and human nature is to immediately look at the things we don't love about ourselves, about like when we look in the mirror, we automatically look to the places that we want to improve. And when I looked at the Enneagram, 
initially, it was no different. I immediately looked at the traits of the eight that stubborn, they can be violent at times, you know, when they're super unhealthy, they're standoffish, they're argumentative, they are angry. And I was like, yep, check, 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 check. <laughs> Pretty much. It makes a lot of sense why things don't go so great for me. Mm-hmm. But thankfully in that moment, I don't know what it was, but in that moment, I was like, wait a second, like beating myself up over these unhealthier traits that obviously I have been for quite some time is not going to serve me. And because of the way she told me about it, I knew that there was a range of health with each type. And so instead of hyper-focusing on all the, the crappy parts mm-hmm. of me, <laughs> of my personality <laughs> that, that tend to be destructive, which, you know, I was sitting in rehab, so I was pretty destructive to say mm-hmm. the least. I looked at and, and focused on all the beautiful qualities of my type and where I was headed. And I remember writing down all the qualities that at the healthiest version of the challenger. And I said, that's where I'm going. That's where Mm. I'm headed because they're self-surrendering, heroic, self-reliant, strong, self-confident. They lead the way, they move the needle, they're world changers. I was like, I don't see that today, but that is where I'm headed. And it's just like with anything, to know where you're going, you have to, you have to have the directions. And, you know, I wasn't going to try to be something that I wasn't. This was innately who I am at my core. Was it expressed in all sorts of sideways ways? Yes, absolutely. For quite some time. Um, but I wanted to embrace who I was and being so in truth, like in truth of who I was, but focusing on the healthy ways. And the only way to get to the healthy was, was to be willing to be vulnerable and to grow. And so that's where my path with the Enneagram started seven and a half years ago. So then once I was like, okay, I understand me and I was studying it. Like I was obsessed with it because Mm -hmm. it was like, all of a sudden it was making sense. Everything made sense. And it wasn't as emotionally charging, right? I think Mm -hmm. sometimes when we go into shame cycles or we're beating ourselves up or we're playing the comparison game or the imposter syndrome. And I know that you coach a lot of people and you deal with a lot of those kind of things that happen, right? Mm -hmm. That when I could understand where I went under stress, like instead of beating myself up for it, I used it as like, oh, that's, that's more like a compass to let me know I'm off or something has Mm -hmm. triggered me. And it was much easier to course correct than go down that shame cycle of the dark hole of depression, shame, isolation, sabotage, whatever that looks like for anybody. I pretty much dabbled in all of it. And, you know, I had a super high involvement of my growth, but I, I had a very low attachment to what that looked like. I knew where I was headed. However I got there is how we were going to get there. Mm-hmm. Because when you have a high involvement and a low attachment, you, you tend to not go as sideways as often. Right. Or, or if you do, you don't linger too long there, right? Mm-hmm. And so once I understood myself, I was like, well, this explains why when I communicate with my children, it doesn't land how I intend. And because of how I grew up, I knew I didn't want to turn my kids into me. Mm-hmm. And I also knew that they were not at all like me. And reading the other eight types, I was able to figure out which two types my kids were. And of course, they're completely opposite of each other and opposite <laughs> of me. So I was like, well, this is, this is my way of getting an education on human communication, development, and growth 
at the early stages. And so while I was figuring out my own recovery and who I was and why things happened the way they did, I was also able to understand and communicate with both my children who were 14 and 15 at a time in a language that they could receive. Um, as an eight, I also kind of communicate about 20 times more intense than I think I am. <laughs> and so I have to be really mindful who I'm talking to at all times. Mm -hmm. um, and my son's a two, which is the helper. And my mm -hmm. daughter is a seven, which is the enthusiast, which she's why I started all this because I remember, and when I understood the Enneagram, I had so much like, oh my gosh, okay. This makes so much sense because the very things about my daughter that would frustrate me or that I would deem as her being disrespectful for, of me mm -hmm. were actually her under stress. And mm. once I learned her personality type and could recognize that these certain behaviors, the ones specifically that triggered me and felt disrespectful, once I understood that those were her under stress and I could communicate to her, not from judgment, but from compassion, everything changed in our home, everything. And so since then, you know, the kids are 22, 23 now, um, we have such great communication in our home. Very rarely do we argue. Or if we do, we recognize each other's type very clearly and <laughs> don't take it as personal. Um, but then six months later, so like I told you, I took six months to kind of figure out what I was supposed to do. And I'd been headhunted by everybody in the car industry. And I remember being on interviews and I was saying, listen, I really appreciate this, but I'm coming out of my skin being here. Mm -hmm. And they're like, why? I'm like, because this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And on the morning that I collected my six-month sobriety chip, uh, chip, I was introduced to a product uh, for my health because I was feeling pretty crappy. And so a friend of mine had started this program. I had no idea what it was, but I wanted what she had, which was a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. I said, whatever that is, hook me up. And so she did. And by day four, five, I was like, what the heck's in this stuff? So I started Googling it and I was like, oh my gosh it is a network marketing company. <laughs> like this is not what I wanted at all. And, you know, when I was going back to Chicago, when my dad was passing away, you know, those 12 days, I remember being so angry that I was in a position that I couldn't just up and go the mm -hmm. second he had called. Cause when he called is when I should have been on an airplane. Right. And we can shut our, we can shut all over ourselves till we're blue in the face. But mm -hmm. When I was on the airplane, I was so angry. Like, why am I here? I need to, I needed to be here, you know, mm -hmm. 12 days ago. And on that airplane ride, I had the ugly snotty prayer. Like, I promise you put an opportunity in front of me to change my life. I will do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought it was rehab, which did change my life. And my commitment to recovery did change my life. But then six months later, when network marketing was introduced to me, I was like, yeah, this is not what I meant in that ugly snotty prayer. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? My best thinking had gotten me into some pretty dark places. And if I want something different to require something pretty different from me. And so with zero social network, that single mom that just got out of rehab decided to build a network marketing business and Hey, join my team. Sounds like a great time. Doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Like on paper, I was least likely to be successful at that. Um, but I used the Enneagram knowing what I knew, knowing that I needed to leverage every single human being, not in a manipulative way, but in a, how can I serve people best way? 
um, in order to serve people best, I needed to be very quick and I needed to speak their language and they needed to know what was in it for them at all times. And I needed to know how to bring out the best in every human I spoke to if I was going to be successful in this and if I was really going to change my life and help theirs. And within six months, I had tripled the income I walked away from, which was <laughs> incredible. Wow. I, by the two-year mark, I had brought in only 82 people personally, which it, is, it doesn't seem like a lot, um, and it isn't really. It was like average four or five a month. Mm -hmm. um, but those 82 people, I was able to leverage and speak what was in it for them, and those 82 people produced 15,000 people, which produced my first million-dollar income. And that was, gosh, six and a half years ago. And now that organization is upwards over close to 100,000 people today. Um, but I use the Enneagram um, really early on to build leadership, um, to um, bring out the best in everyone. Because I knew, like, in order for this to be sustainable, to go the distance, I didn't need a team of me's. Because right? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that would be pretty intense anyway. <laughs> a mm -hmm. team of eights would be pretty <laughs> And so I, I looked at my team and I was like, yep, I got a nine here. I got a two here. I got a three here. And none of them knew mm -hmm. about it, but I was speaking their language and having them all work together and putting people in the right positions where they would feel confident. And, you know, cause network marketing is hard. You know, mm -hmm. we hear everybody talk about how it's so easy. It's all like, you know, Bali and butterflies online and, and it's mm -hmm. just not, it's a lot of hard work and a lot of rejection and in order to deal with that rejection, you have to be so clear about who you are, right? Mm -hmm. And so using the Enneagram, I was really able to help people understand who they were so that when the rejection did come or, you know, people talked crap about their business or, you know, poo-pooed on their products that, you know, they, they knew about themselves enough to know that it wasn't about them and that they could continue to move forward and really make an impact in their life and every person that they touch. So that, that compound effect of, of really me understanding myself and then understanding others and then communicating really is what helped this explode for me. Wow. I feel like it's a, re it's a responsibility as an entrepreneur, especially to know ourselves on in a really deep level. I mean, everyone should, of course, but when we're in the business of serving others and communicating with others and just doing this, I mean, not everybody chooses to do this. Um, having the responsibility to know yourself on a really deep level is something that um, we're all interested in. And I remember hearing about the Enneagram and thinking, oh, it's just another quiz and I don't have time to take that. And then I would go and peek at it and, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. this is 12 pages. Mm -hmm. What do you mean it's 12 pages? And then I would never do it. And then, you know, I think that's where a lot of people start and then they dabble in it a little bit, but I don't know if anybody really understand, understands what it really is. Can you explain that to us? I like to call it like a map of your soul. So I believe that you know, we are all born with our own unique temperament and disposition and our own kind of quirks, right? Mm -hmm. And as a mom, I've carried two babies in my belly. And I could tell you without question that both my kids' personalities were very similar to how they were in utero, right? Mm -hmm. So I know that we're all kind of born with our own kind of like stuff. And then life, we get dropped into life. And depending on your environment, 
the expression of your disposition and temperament can go a bunch of different ways. Because although there's only nine basic types, there's actually really 27. We don't have to get into all of that. Wow. Um, because there's all these different subtypes and instinctual ways that we go. And then there's the wings and where we yes. go with growth and stress. Because, you know, if you had looked at me as a child, like looking back at how I expressed myself, mm -hmm. that eight was always in there. Holy moly, was she a fire ball in there. But in my home, I was in my nine wing the entire time. I was the peacemaker. So mm. you, you wouldn't have guessed. But the thing about the Enneagram that's so different from any other personality test, all the personality tests, they're super helpful. And understanding behaviors and our habits and patterns is really, really important. But if we don't get to the core of why we have those habits and patterns, it's just a matter of time before we're going to go back to what's instinctual to us, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I love about the Enneagram that even though we may take on, and this is why it's really important to have your proper type and don't just pick the type that you wish you were or answer questions mm -hmm. based on, you know, what you think you are, like really go to the why behind it the core fears, the core desires. And so it's this map back to our original, most innocent parts of our soul before life got a hold of us. You know, Tracy as a little girl um, didn't smile much. She was bracing for impact pretty much 24 seven. And before that, she was this sweet, sparkly eyed little girl who felt powerful and strong and then life came and situations in our home happened and that all got pushed to the side, right? And so as I began to explore what the Enneagram was, like this roadmap back to my soul's calling is kind of what it was. Like, I don't want to be, you know, Lindsay, you're amazing, but we're not alike. We're not the mm -hmm. same. We're not the same personality. Um, we have very similar behaviors. We're both very strong, decisive women. Um, and we're very organized and we can get things done. Right. Mm -hmm. But our core motives and core fears are very different. And so when you understand where that comes from and you have this roadmap of, okay, when I'm under stress, this is kind of what this looks like. And when I looked at that, and when I look at that in other people or show other people what that looks like, it's almost like this aha moment happens. It's like, oh my goodness, I like I had spent four decades beating the heck out of myself over mm -hmm. something that was just trying to tell me all along that this is stressful, I am scared. And when I realized that instead of being so emotionally charged and beating myself up, I had a lot more compassion. And same thing with growth, like those things that, you know, sometimes people would tell me I'm too much. Or, you know, you're, you're pretty intense. Like, yeah, actually that's a good thing. And so mm. when I was told that early on in my life, I would play small. And when I realized that in a growth pattern, those are the things that come out or I get creative or quiet, um, or compassionate. I was like, okay, like once I understand this, this means I'm actually headed in the right direction. And so instead of playing small and taking myself off course, how about I just lean into that? And obviously, because I was pretty unhealthy when I was getting started with this, going in my growth pattern felt pretty awkward at first. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's just like with anything, where, whatever you focus on is what you're going to find. And so if you know what your type you are, or you know 
um, who you are, even if you're not at the healthiest form yet, because let's just be real, seven and a half years ago, if I read you the unhealthy traits of the eight, I was pretty much all of them at the time. Mm -hmm. But instead of focusing there, because I didn't want to focus there, because then I'd stay there, I wrote down, this is a really good tip for all of you guys, I wrote down the like top level one traits of a healthy, challenging, the challenger eight. And I wrote those out with my own hand and I taped them to my cabinet where I get my vitamins every morning. And I taped it to the mirror where I get ready every morning, because even though I may not have been there yet, that was like the focus of where I was headed. And so when you've got a roadmap to back to your soul, it's a lot easier to get there. I think so much in this personal development world that we're living in, people are floundering in it or they're playing comparison and they're trying to be like somebody who doesn't have the same core motives and desires and fears as them. And it's never going to work. I remember um, early on when I started in my network marketing company, I was like, well, maybe I should, you know, do like a fitness competition since I'm supposed to be like this poster child of health and wellness, mm -hmm. you know, and I was about a year into studying the Enneagram at this point, And I was about four weeks in and I was like, okay, no, this is not, <laughs> this mm -hmm. is actually really destructive for my personality. Mm -hmm. I admire it. I love people that like a lot of my friends, you know, are in that and for their personality, mm -hmm. it works for me it would lead me down a path of destruction. Mm. And so to be able to identify that and not go into shame or beat myself up for it, but say, nope, that's just not for me. I, my strengths are somewhere else and that's where I'm gonna focus. Um, it really took this need to compare myself anymore. It was how I was able to stand out in network marketing and be very, very different than most because I was just like, this is who I am. I was very different than everybody else. I wasn't your cookie cutter network marketer. Um, and it worked, it worked very well for me. And so I was really using this roadmap to do that. And when you can look back at the points in your life and make sense of it and really think about the little girl or the little young man that maybe had to endure some stuff that caused you to start expressing your personality in a different way. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you will have so much more compassion for yourself um, because shame is a silent killer, let me tell mm -hmm. you. And the, the Enneagram is a wonderful, beautiful, effective tool when used in integrity and properly to really stop the shame cycles and sabotage from happening and robbing you of everything that you're called to do. You have so many gifts mm -hmm. in, in this world. And the sooner you know, what the calling is for you and, and where you tend to shine. Like you can make anything your own. You know, I get asked a lot, is there a certain number that should be doing a certain thing? And like, no, like all numbers can be amazing at anything. Now, like I was saying, the fitness competitions was not my jam. It mm -hmm. definitely was not. And I could like the old me would have probably gone down an eating disorder road with that. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. But understanding my soul map really allowed me to do that, not just in my health and my parenting, but it allowed me to make a couple million dollars while I was at it and help a lot of other people be successful too, which I know that's your jam too. Absolutely. One thing that's stuck out for me when you were talking about, um, you know, identify, I think about when people 
find out what astrological sign they are or what number they are. And like, for me, I'm a Taurus and I remember identifying with, I'm stubborn, I'm bullheaded and blah, blah, blah. And then I realized I don't have to be that just because it's on a piece of paper or on a negative side of a side effect of a sign or whatever. So like your number, like you said, you wrote down all the positive aspects of your number and you focused on that and you used the so-called negative effects of that number as like signals that you are in a stress mode. I love that perspective. I feel like that's such a healthy perspective as in, in turn of saying, I'm, I'm stubborn or I have mm-hmm. these, you know, negative tendencies and identifying with it. Cause that, like you said, just leads down an unhealthy path. Absolutely. And, and do I still have um, the tendencies to um, be guarded and uber protective? Absolutely. However, the difference between now and then is when I feel that feeling coming up, I really take an inventory about what's happening around me. Um, whether it's a person, a place, a thing that's happening, a time of the month, who knows, mm-hmm. you know, did something, did I hear something? Did I smell something? And so instead of like just going on to autopilot, um, it really keeps you in tune with your body and your mind mm-hmm. and your soul. And when you are operating at that high level of an awareness, the ability to make an impact in the people that you're helping. I mean, I know you help women start a coaching business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and I know that you'll probably understand this. I mean, I didn't get into network marketing to change the world or help a lot of people. I had no idea that this is how this whole thing would play out. You would, mm-hmm. If you had told me that seven years ago, I would have laughed at you, like least likely to be successful. I mean, I sold cars for, for crying out loud. And I was like a car girl in a pencil skirt and six inch heels. That's what I was back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people get into coaching for the, the right reason, but I think that they get into it and they're like, I'm in over my head because I haven't done enough of the work on myself mm-hmm. yet. They go into it because they really do want to help people. But I also think sometimes people think they can help people and it bypasses their own work. Like if, if mm-hmm. I, if I'm good enough and help people with their stuff, then mine will just get a you know, miraculously healed. And it doesn't work that way. In fact, that's when the imposter syndrome comes out and the mm-hmm. sabotage and you know, the, the deep dark hole of, you know, all the, the things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a coach out there and that's happened to you, which 90% of you, that probably has happened to you. Mm -hmm. Um, because we don't know until we know, right. We don't get it until we get it. And by the time we get it, we're already in. Right. And and we're like, oh my gosh. And I'm going to tell you like being so transparent with clients I've worked with and saying, you know, the growth process is continuous. We're not done until we're done on earth. Right. Right. And so knowing that, you know, you can be so free in coaching people to say, listen, I'm human. I'm human just like you. And actually that makes you a better coach. And I'm here to tell you, you just admitting that to yourself um, is going to actually let you move the needle faster with your clients because it builds credibility and trust. Because if you're just perfect and know it all, you know, that might work for some, but eventually you're not going to be able to make the transformation with your clients that you want to unless you're doing your own at the same time, constantly, Mm -hmm. constantly, I'm constantly in growth mode and always, 
this last year, let me tell you, girl, has been the most challenging of my life. And I'm so grateful that I have my toolbox of the Enneagram and, and tons of other things that I use. Um, I think the Enneagram also is a great gateway into growth because it's not as heavy and it's not mm -hmm. as like, it doesn't feel as overwhelming because I know when I started my journey in recovery, I was like, holy Hannah, I've got four decades to unpack here. And mm -hmm. this is a lot. And I think when people are overwhelmed, what do we do? We shut down, right? Mm -hmm. We do nothing. And so with using the Enneagram, it's really allowed me to help people unpack it little by little. And it's not as like, like I told you, emotionally charged or as overwhelming. And, you know, if you chip away a little bit at it every day, the more self-aware you can be, the more you're able to help other people. But I do have a disclaimer, like being self-aware, it's a lot harder being self-aware than it was being ignorant to all of it. Mm -hmm. um, because once you know, you got to do something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> once you know, you have to make changes, um, especially if you're in an industry of coaching and, and helping people. Um, because you're only as good as you are honest with yourself. And so I'm going to encourage everyone to be continuous in your exploration process for sure. Every day I learned something about myself and, and obviously now doing the Enneagram with people and how I ended up doing that is hilarious too. It's like, you're kidding me, right? Like, this is what I'm doing. I <laughs> never would have guessed it. And I wake up every day excited to talk about it because it, it does allow you to move the needle. It isn't as hard as it ha has, maybe you've made it in your head to really unpack some of your stuff. And, you know, when we can do it with compassion instead of judgment, anything is possible. Compassion can be your superpower, not just for yourself, but the compassion for people that have hurt you, that trigger you. Um, it takes a lot to get me fired up anymore. And as an eight, that's, that's a miracle. That's a big accomplishment. <laughs> that's a miracle <laughs> as an eight, let me tell you. <laughs> well, I'm a five and I love how, um, I wonder if, do you have clients who you can spot when they're in their stress mode before they can, because you know the Enneagram so well? Always. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's great because, I mean, people think that I can read minds and um, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very, very in tune. And it's not like I go around typing people. And, you know, I was telling you before we started recording, you know, I, the reason I'm so passionate and, and why I've decided to really go into teaching this in business and, and families is because I'm, I'm seeing it used irresponsibly. Like this isn't something where you start learning it and you start saying, oh, you're a five, right? Mm. It's not to be used as a weapon or a wall which is how if, if I had known this 10 years ago, I would have been like, yeah, I'm an eight, get over it, deal with it. Mm, right. Just like mm -hmm. you said about the horoscopes. Well, yeah, I'm just stubborn. That's, that's yep. Taurus. Right. Um, it's not to be used as a weapon or a wall. So, you know, I have a few five clients actually, and I can tell, you know, one in particular, when she kind of goes off the rails a little bit, um, a five, when they're under stress, mimic the seven, which can be the escapist, the wants to jump from thing to th thing, gets distracted. And I know the motive behind that is because of stress. It's not like her innate thing. Mm -hmm. And so I can say, okay, with compassion and not judgment, like what's really going on? What are you, what are you trying to avoid right now in those behaviors? And she's like, how, 
you know, cause she'll play it off as I'm just being fun. And I'm like, mm. that's not natural for you. That's not mm. your natural tendency. And she's like, like my daughter's a seven and that's her natural tendency. But as a five, that's usually where you might go under stress. And it may not look like fun always. It may just be like scattered or, mm-hmm. you know, bouncing from thing to thing. And so because I'm not like judging them for it mm-hmm. and because I'm leading with like, hey, I'm sensing something's going on or I'll just ask a question. I'll be like, how are you doing? And they'll look at me and they're like, great. I'm like, really? Mm. And they're like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, it's okay. Like, I, I know and I get it. I've been there. And just even saying, really? Mm-hmm. Really? Like with love and mm-hmm. compassion, um, just immediately saying that because they know they're full of it when they say, I'm fine. <laughs> fine means feelings inside, not expressed. So um, I can see that. And so really recognizing and, and same thing with my son, who's a two. So a two, the helper, the most sweet, compassionate, empathetic, probably type naturally on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. When a two is under stress, they take on the unhealthier traits of an eight, which is anger and mm-hmm. defensiveness and mm-hmm. um, argumentative. And my son, who's like the sweetest human being in the world, like wouldn't hurt a fly. When he used to get like that, of course, that triggered me because that's who I was, right? right. And so we would brawl. And now it's like, oh my gosh, the minute I feel any kind of like that coming on for him, Mm -hmm. instead of like engaging in it, I can say, hey, what's really going on with you? Like all, all anybody wants is to be seen, heard, and understood. And when you can understand when people are under stress that it isn't about you, it's a lot easier to see, hear, and understand them from a place of compassion and like very rarely is there ever a charged conversation where I'm involved because I know that this isn't about what's in front of us right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's cool because when we go into our stress patterns, usually we feel pretty crappy that we've done that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we follow that up with shame, which, you know, where shame takes us. And when you can understand and recognize when somebody's in a stress pattern for their type and diffuse it before they go down a path that they don't want to go down. They have so much appreciation for you. They may not enjoy that they've been exposed and that you can understand that they're under stress, especially if they're pretty private like me, Mm -hmm. but knowing that you stopped them from really doing some destructive stuff, um, they learn to appreciate and trust you. And especially if you are working with them in a client situation, or if you're a parent, um, you know, you want to keep those communication lines open and, and really leading with that is so helpful. So helpful. I love it. I think being communicative with yourself, um, journaling is always really helpful for me. So Mm. I recognize I get into a pattern where I love when you said when the five gets really unfocused, I do that a lot when I'm at my nine to five and I can tell, like, I'll think, oh, I'm going to go get some tea and now I'm going to go get some hot chocolate (laughs) and now I'm going to get some decaf. Like I can't, I'm constantly going back. I work from home Mm. and I'm going back and forth and back and forth. And I think Lindsay 
just sit here for a second. What are you trying to avoid? I'm trying to avoid this whole thing here, obviously. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I have to just talk myself through it, which is important. Like you said, people just want to be seen and heard. And when you're by yourself, you kind of just have to play that person where you're talking to yourself and either, you know, voice it inside or write it down. That's like recognizing your coping mechanism is really important. Do you agree? Yeah. And like, even like, I'm not a huge journaler, but I'm an, mm-hmm. like an auditory person and, mm-hmm. you know, recognizing that you're under stress. And I'm so glad that you said that, like, you have to be like, it's one thing to be talking to one of my children when they're under stress or a client or, you know, somebody, a friend to care about, you know, when mm-hmm. they're under stress, but before you can really start being that for other people, you must be able to do that for yourself, whether it's through journaling or, um, usually I will start taking a walk and really speak to myself because most of us, if, if our, if we're under stress patterns a lot, you know, most of this comes out through trauma we've experienced as kids. I'm not saying it has to be a situation, but Mm -hmm. like just not being heard or thinking you have to perform in order to be loved or whatever that meant to you. And really like, as you are trying to speak it out to yourself, whether it's in writing or when I take a walk and start talking as though I'm talking to a little four-year-old, quite honestly, sometimes, mm-hmm. and really like having compassion because so it's so easy for us to beat the crap out of ourselves with our words, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or our thoughts. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't start changing that, it's just a matter of time. And so um, imagine yourself speaking to that little girl or little young man that endured whatever they had to endure mm-hmm. or, you know, that little man or little girl that bought into a belief that they had to be something in order to have love or to be appreciated because in order to change the belief, it's going to take some conditioning and it's not, it's just like going to the gym. You don't go to the gym once and, you know, have the bikini body that you want. It mm-hmm. takes a lot of conditioning. And if you stop doing the conditioning, you're going to revert back. Mm-hmm. So having that constant dialogue with yourself, even if it's just on paper is really, really important and compassion and knowing that you're kind of re-parenting in in a way and Mm -hmm. reprogramming the belief system. And the only way you're ever going to do that is with conditioning and compassion. So um, it's really important, really important. It is. It's so much more important than getting the best strategy, the best website, the best Instagram. So much more important. None of that matters at all. And this is sustainable. Like this will, like once you have this, when you have the systems and the strategy, like you're bulletproof baby, like Mm -hmm. seriously, that's, that's how quite honestly, when people ask me how I was able to do what I did is because I, I really focused heavily on this Mm -hmm. and I was a hot mess. I mean, people were like, I don't know how you're doing this. I'm like, I don't either, but you know what? I can communicate with anyone. Mm-hmm. And that was way more important than a strategy. Now, mm-hmm. obviously with both, you can accelerate transformation at a rapid pace, which, but, but there's no bypassing this. There really, really isn't. You can try and you're going to be frustrated as hell and it's going to cost you yep. a lot of money along the way. Yeah. I mean, if we're here for, I want my business to be long-term, but my, my well-being, my family, my kids, my relationship as well. So this all has to blend in together. So we, we start our coaching businesses, not just because we want this to be a one hit wonder, get a client and be done. We want this to be a long-term business. So we have to do the inner work. It's 
it's so important. It's a non-negotiable at this point. Well, and it's all, it honestly, let's just be real. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the economy. And if you aren't doing this, you're going to be out of a business. Mm-hmm. If the economy takes a hit and people can't afford coaching tomorrow, um, you want to be able to stand strong in what you do. And this work honestly will have you standing out above the rest. There's a lot of really great coaches out there and there's a lot that aren't so great. And a lot of it, they come innocently by, you know, and I, I'm not judging it at all, but Mm -hmm. if you really want to bulletproof your, your business, then be willing to go to these harder places. It's not Mm -hmm. easy. This is not easy. I know that you can attest to it. Mm -hmm. Growth, growth is never it. The refinement process is not fun, but it's necessary to build diamonds, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's how they make diamonds. It's in the pressure and the refinement process that it's high stress, but my goodness, on the other side of it, like you'll be unbreakable. Yep. I always say the best coaching calls are the ones that don't go at all at like you expected. You had your paper and pen ready to take all the notes and your coach is like asking you, just like you said, how are you? And then you crack and then you talk about it. And that those are the best coaching sessions. And you have to, you have to be that coach who is going to recognize those things. So Thank you for sharing how there's this amazing tool for us to use that to be a highly effective coach because we do need those out there. Um, Tracy, you are so vulnerable and so generous with sharing everything about your business, your life. Um, How can we find out even more about you? Um, There's a few different ways, obviously, on all the socials. The Instagram is always a fun place. Um, (laughs) I'm at Tracy underscore O'Malley there, and I have a lot of free resources and stuff coming out every day on my website, tracyomalley.com. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, all the things. So awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we'd love to hear what you thought about this episode. And I'm sure Tracy would be happy to answer all of your Enneagram questions. So send her a DM on Instagram. You have my permission. (laughs) Absolutely. I could talk about it all day long. So fire away. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Tracy, for being here. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me on, hon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Book Your Dream Clients podcast. I am so grateful for you. and I want to be sure you are a part of my free community. Go to dreamclientcommunity.com and join our free Facebook group. We have all kinds of cool things happening every single day, so don't miss out. Also, if you love downloading freebies, check out my freebie vault on my website by going to lindsaymaloney.com, selecting freebie vault, and there you can download all the things that will help you start and scale your coaching business. And if you're feeling extra generous, be sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the next episode. 